and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. And my name is Claire, and my pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Claire Crees. Uh, hi, I'm Sage. You can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula, Instagram Sage.Sindula. I am the other co-host of this podcast if you're if it's your first time listening. And I use she they pronouns. My name is Morgan. Um, my pronouns are they she. Uh, and I am everywhere and anywhere at Beaker Barnes. That's Beaker like the Muppet, Barnes like the assassin. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Hayden. I use she her pronouns. This is a lot. You can find me on TikTok at taika.yt, except I don't use TikTok anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at mcuytd. And you can find me on Hive, if we're still doing that, at valencelover69. And you can also hear the dulcet, soothing tones of my voice on the Castle Run Relay podcast, a collection Ooh. of besties. <laughs> besties wink um hi i'm mckenzie uh my pronouns are she her and um you can find me on twitter at ardoc ranch and on tiktok at mac to reality today we have a very awesome super fun episode um something if you know us from any of our social media you might know that everyone on this podcast at the moment is a sapphic person um and we'll be um we will be talking about sapphic people uh as one does I feel like it's kind of what we do anyways but it's just a little special fun episode we were gonna do it for valentine's day valentine's day has passed who cares you know what is coming up women's history month so So true so true (laughs) we were gonna do a little giveaway women's history is gay history exactly and then I was like what if we just did it for women's history month instead (laughs) because that's coming up um and that is kind of our brand so uh going off of that today we're gonna be talking about different sapphic couples in the star wars canon canon with a little asterisk next to it will explain when we get there (laughs) um but each person who is here has brought a a couple to the table and we will be discussing this is just for fun straight people have a good time it's it's our time right now, though. Okay. <laughs> hey, people, this is how you practice allyship. This is allyship. Ally. So true. If you think this is bad, <laughs> just wait till we get to June. <laughs> oh, baby. Right <laughs> month on Fulcrum Transmissions podcast is always such a fun time. Anyways, let's get into it. Um, does anybody want to start with their favorites? gay people (laughs) um so the uh couple that i want to talk about today is um jordana and sill from out of the shadows which is my yeah it's still my favorite high republic book uh even counting everything in phase two that we've gotten so far that's awesome um out of the shadows just has like a really special place in my heart and a lot of it is because of jordana and sill because they're just awesome let me think where I want to start off with this. Um, so 
when I started reading Out of the Shadows, I was like kind of new to the High Republic. Like I had read all the other books, obviously, like before that came before. Um, but uh, I was not very involved with like the fandom or anything like that. I just kind of like casually would read the books. Um, and Out of the Shadows was the first book that I live tweeted actually from or just in general it was the first book I live tweeted ever um and uh I did not know going in that there was going to be a sapphic couple so that was really cool um like you know about a third of the way through the book I think Syl mentions her ex-girlfriend and I was like oh she has yeah. an ex-girlfriend <laughs> that's neat <laughs> and I Gay thought people? it was I, yeah, I thought it was real. one of those like throwaway lines where it was like oh cool so she has an ex-girlfriend uh nice to know whatever uh keep on trucking with the book and then Jordana like shows up in the book and I remember um when she shows up in the book I I remember thinking at some point like I wonder if she has anything to do with being Sil's ex or something like that because like that was mentioned earlier I wonder if there's any relation there and then there's like the whole scene in the book where they like see each other and they like can't stop staring at each other and it causes um Emery to like have a breakdown <laughs> <laughs> like poor kid just starts sobbing because he's like they're in love <laughs> but they're also mad at each other <laughs> um so yeah that was uh really iconic um and I think they're just like such a great couple I think they're um pretty accurate like sapphic representation because they know each other for like four weeks uh and um want to like live together forever like oh remember- you haul cannon in star wars yeah <laughs> for real like I remember there's my favorite there's you lesbians where Syl is talking about like I kind of hope my mom doesn't come back and I can just like stay here forever with Jordana. <laughs> like, first of all, like so true because your mom is the worst. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, and then like still asks her to go with her and then like Jordana doesn't because she has, you know, duty on. I cannot remember what planet it is that she lives on, but um, I don't remember. Anyway, she she like has stuff to do there. So she doesn't go with her. And then they have like this big breakup and they can't stop thinking about each other and all that. And yeah, I just think that's very accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but then, you know, they like find each other again and they are able to kind of like sort through their issues and they wind up together. And then we have not seen them since, which is devastating. <laughs> Um, where are they they? I mean I'm glad they weren't involved in any of the like end of phase one because the end of phase one is awful like I mean mean, just as in like just trauma after trauma like I'm glad they avoided all that I hope they're having some nice peaceful time somewhere um (laughs) yeah like on some kind of honeymoon but yeah so that's that's the couple I wanted to talk about I guess (laughs) <laughs> I do fear for the next time we see them because Syl's mom is like literally dead. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do worry. About I feel that. like she's gonna have no idea, and then we're gonna see them again, and it's gonna be like her finding out that her mom died while she's just trying to like be gay and in love on on <laughs> Takadana or wherever they're at now. <laughs> Not <laughs> only that, like when her did your mom died. Dead. I, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? I'm like, like, when did that happen? 
Fallen Star. Star. It did Star? Actually... It does. Okay. It does. I, no. I fully read I Fallen Star a year ago, and then it, yeah. and then Stellan died, <laughs> and the rest of the book left in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm gonna be real. I completely forgot that Elzar chopped Miss Chansey in half. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> no, he did do that. Sorry. No, he didn't. No, he did not. Claire, he didn't I'm do muting that. you. He didn't do that. <laughs> I'm literally the host. <laughs> um, I, I, I fear a lot of this episode is going to be somebody explains Star Wars lore to Morgan because she has forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for Syl and Jordana, oh my gosh, power couple. This is the thing. Um, I really like when gay people write gay people because it feels so genuine. Okay so like grounded in reality which is so interesting for something like star wars which is a fantastical piece of like media right there's so many not realistic things in star wars and then all of a sudden you're like wow two you hot lesbians in my (laughs) star wars book wow this is crazy um so shout out to justina ireland justina you're amazing but we say that every week (laughs) yeah she knows but we have to keep reminding her anyway (laughs) <laughs> so true i love them i think gay people are so real um but no yeah. out of the shadows is the first high republic book i read um which like i wouldn't recommend because you are just kind of like going in zero context and you just kind of like figure it out but they got me there's there's like a, a very old tiktok video of me that's just a compilation of my thoughts on the book but it's every time i just say that gay people are real <laughs> and <laughs> That is like that's my summary. <laughs> they really are just are so just they're so lovely. Also, not to mention, I think they're both they're both women of color, right? Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. Am I? I'm scratching my. I yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like that's shit's beautiful. How often do you get to see like a sapphic romance, and it is two women of color, and even yeah, still is a black woman too. I'm like mm-hmm. recalling these images of like incredible. Thank you, Justina, yeah. for that. Um, Shadow of the Shadows did a lot for intersectionality in Star Wars, mm-hmm. just in general. So Justina Ireland does it all the time. A, a good amount of the Luminous authors do. Um, but it's what we preach all the time is having um, writers who are not just cis-het white men um, writing. Because love Timothy Zahn, you made some great lesbians. <laughs> accidentally like i love it when people do it on purpose you know (laughs) you don't know it timothy's on but you did so much for the queer community (laughs) yeah when y'all first proposed this episode i was like oh i gotta talk about arlani and wutro and then remembered they're not canon (laughs) okay no because i was sitting there this morning and i was like who am i gonna talk about and then i was like I don't know. I've kind of been thinking a lot about like Bo-Katan and Fennec lately, and I was like, "Girl, that's not either." <laughs> like twice, maybe. <laughs> Wait, did they? it's canon Hold to on. me? Yeah, in the finale. I, I don't know if they've ever. In Sorry, season. I just forget that Bo-Katan is, is not Alpha- canonically a lesbian yeah, because she is right. to me. <laughs> I also have gaslit myself into thinking that Bo-Katan is canonically a lesbian. Which yeah. <laughs> I think that's the consensus. <laughs> um, Claire, any thoughts about Sylvestri and Jordana? I know you have a um, lot. <laughs> I do have a lot of thoughts about them. Um, yeah, no, I think they're, and you guys were talking about them being very like grounded in reality, despite the fact that it is fantasy. And I think that that's what I love about them is that like as a queer woman reading their relationship, I was like, this feels very real and like something that I would experience personally, like in the real world. 
Um, but it's also like one of the things I love about it being in Star Wars is that we don't have to deal with like homophobia or like, is it okay that I like women? It's just like fine and chill. And I'm like, so true. Like, I love that energy. And so I love just being able to read about them and being like, yeah, they're two women in love slay like and there's no issues there I was gonna say um I really like that one of the things about them is like yes Out of the Shadows is kind of like their love story because that is like a big focus of especially like the second half of the book um but they have like characters outside of that like they're not just queer characters they they like have whole character arcs and like things they're dealing with like outside of like being in love with each other and so I I really enjoy that like Sills um like character arc through the book is really really good um and like she has things she struggles with um and so like I I really enjoy that they're like very well-rounded characters and I feel like it's easier to get into like their love story when you already like see how well-rounded they are as characters I guess I was just Jordan also has I'm like trying to recall the plot of this book now um, <laughs> but she also has that like really strong like sense of duty where she's like a marshal or mm-hmm. something on her home planet right and like that's initially yeah. how their relationship has to end yeah. and I love that it's like not something that like it's not that, like we had this big falling out it's like I have this sense and like the concept of like sense of duty is like such a prevailing thematic throughout Star Wars and the idea that like I have this like obligation to my people to my family that I need to uphold and that does not mean that, like, I don't have an obligation to you, but it means that, like, sometimes these are, like, things that I need to sacrifice, yeah. which is also very realistic. And then the fact that they find their way back to each other through, again, that same conflict and realizing that they can, like, help and helps resolve each other's conflicts together is even more powerful. <laughs> Truly, their their story, they have these, Syl and Jordana are characters that are, just, like, happen to be gay um which Mm -hmm. I think is like a a very great way to go about writing um queer characters in general but especially in Star Wars um because they do they have these well-rounded arcs their own storylines their own struggles that they are going through from beginning to end of their character of the book and I was gonna say something I totally forgot what it was but yeah that pretty that that's pretty much the gist of it um and then something I was gonna add Claire you had mentioned like one of the nice things about like in Star Wars, like not having to deal with homophobia and stuff like that. And I think that also shows in the writing, like um, not to bring up Emery again, but <laughs> the conversation Vernestra and Emery have after like uh, Jordana and still see each other again, it would have been so easy to like add something in. Cause like Vernestra is like explaining like um, uh, yeah, this is like sometimes people are in love and like, you got to be careful with attachments and things like that um but like it would have been so easy for her to like throw in there and like sometimes two women love each other or something really like cheesy like that and they don't do that and that is so nice it's just like these are just two people in love and that's how that is like they didn't have to go out of their way to make a point that like this is two women (laughs) a lot of the the sapphic characters and like the gay characters of the higher public it's (laughs) i've made this joke before but when I read, I think it was Into the Dark for the first time, I made a joke about how, like, uh, who the fuck wrote it? Claudia Gray. And I did the the meet with John Mulaney, and I 
I blocked it out and I said, and I will pepper in the fact that they are gay. Like <laughs> being gay isn't just their whole character. And that's yeah. what I appreciate, especially a lot from the higher public, because not to get too much into representation, but just having people there for brownie points, in my opinion, is not the greatest representation. However, if you do, you know, you should probably have like, you should advance their character a little bit and not just have the whole fact that they are a character in the book and have their whole purpose in the book for the pride flag on the cover you know also what's kind of revolutionary about that i guess i don't know if revolutionary is the right word but what's really great about specifically these characters in the higher public and i think all the characters that we're going to continue to talk about is that they get character arcs outside Mm -hmm. of just being gay absolutely what can and what can happen when you're talking about a big franchise a big corporation like star wars which is then under disney is that like we forget as fans i think a lot of times that like every single bit of representation that we get needs to be a- approved by some like by like the big disney palace in the sky and so the fact that we have these characters that get to be that get to be queer and get to like love women and express that they love women on page and in addition to that also continue to have character arcs that aren't just limited to that means that these characters are more meaningful not only just as characters but as pieces of a already existing franchise yes you cannot you can no longer like remove these pieces from them and have them stay constrained to Mm -hmm. this that part can't shift anymore and that's really important i agree completely But the part I really appreciated, and we talked about it a little bit, but the part I really appreciated about Silvestri and Jordana is how real they felt and like how, you know, I felt about my partner, Liv, who unfortunately could not be there today. Uh, because, you know, we we are long distance and we can't really, you know, do a couple things, you know, if she went to my university or anything like that. And it just it just felt really affirming to see those feelings on the page. And to have them be written by, you know, a queer woman, a queer woman of color at that, writing to a queer woman of color was just, I did not like Out of the Shadows very much. I thought the plot itself was a little messy, and I've expressed my feelings on that before. But the part, but Silvestri and Jordana are really the heart of the book, and really, honestly, what kept me reading personally. So getting, you know, back to my original point is that they just felt really they just felt really real and they I don't even know where I'm going with this but they were definitely like I have my little sticky tabs every time they talked about each other sticky tab sticky tab sticky tab (laughs) yeah I know um like a lot of people I I don't know how I want to say this but like I know I hear a lot of people skip out of the shadows and I would really recommend that people do not skip out of the shadows because I was going of... to full disclosure. <laughs> yeah, just because of like Jordana and Syl. Like I just think they are such good characters. And because they don't really appear in anything else, like that's the only place you can get them. So I I to me, out of the shadows is like required reading. <laughs> well, if anyone doesn't have any final thoughts, I feel like we we had a very good discussion about the girlies. I, am. I was gonna say Sage, you should probably go next because you're also <laughs> in, the high go in timeline order. <laughs> and while we're <laughs> hyping up the High Republic, <laughs> so, um, okay. Well, oh God, I, I wonder who she's gonna bring. 
Right. I, full disclosure, <laughs> I, the ship that Sage brought, I actually didn't know who they were before this, so, like, I'm really excited <laughs> to learn more. Yeah, she's one of my Wikipedia. I have, like, the Wikipedia tabs on everyone. It's one. No, I'm just kidding. I love <laughs> yeah, for myself, a couple, I am bringing Lando Calrissian and Holo. <laughs> <laughs> Sage, I, okay, here's what actually happened on Monday when we got the, like, like PDFs for this week's comics, and I read both of them immediately, and I was like, oh, shit, and then I texted Sage, and I was like, Sage, can I please spoil Star Wars 31 for you, because if I fear that if I don't tell someone about this, I'm gonna explode, like. <laughs> what I am bringing to the table for real today, surprise to nobody, I'm talking about one Lula Talisola and Zine Rala. No way! Yes! <laughs> yes! Who would I don't know if anyone ever has heard me talk about them, but just in case you haven't, <laughs> Lula and Zine are my favorite Star Wars characters in general, um, and their relationship's my favorite ship ever. Um, I'm obsessed with them. Anyways, why I think Lula and Zine's story is different. This is not, I'm not saying this is a good thing. Like, okay, it is a good thing. I'm not saying that it's a better thing. So we were talking about how Syl and Jordana, their story revolves around their characters and their relationship is like, oh, it just happens to be gay. The kind of difference with Lula and Zine is that it is very inherently queer, their story in general. Um, without any of the homophobia you get from real world uh, lesbian stories or queer stories in general. Um, basically, if you haven't read The High Republic Adventures, which you should read, it's really good. It's about this girl named Zine Rala, and she is on this planet um, called TriMet 4. It sucks. I hate it. Glad it got destroyed. <laughs> Um, but basically she's a part of this force cult um called the the elders of the path wow path shout out oh shit (laughs) wait she she is yep elders of the path oh my god if you read um, rest in peace peace, um open hand if he died to be completely honest he (laughs) appeared he i elder tromac well elder tromac died Crix killed him remember yeah slay right. sorry i didn't pay only good thing Crix has ever done <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I, don't... <laughs> I, I don't want to interrupt your i don't want to interrupt yeah. your rant i just i never connected i didn't even so elder wait, tromac wait, is wait, in, in path of deceit elder tromac is a small child who is a part of the path of the open hand he is being ba- he is in that scene where he's being babysat by um marta Rowe. oh my well, god that yeah. was him yes what what you can you can tell who are like the avid high republic like rereaders and who are not you know but actually we need to talk about how oh my god i don't remember the guy's name but like there was that one guy in the path who was kind of annoying but it was like he he was a um mickey and and he had like a sister who like oh that fucker he was so annoying Oh, and he was and Which his one? girlfriend was like pregnant at the time yeah, and he I was like, like knocks are you related to Zine Rala the 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 the, the child the the children of the the, the path that 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 guy I don't remember yeah. his name I read Path of the Open Hand no what the what, Path of Deceit I read Path of Deceit it took me 
three months, no offense, it took me three months, I was just not in a Star Wars mood, took me three months, I read most of it ridiculously drunk in the oldest bar in Ireland. (laughs) I remember rejection of this book. That's so real. Essek Gratton and Justina Ireland would absolutely love that. Like, Justina, if you're listening, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, it is actually not even just the oldest bar in Ireland; it's the oldest bar in the world. So your book's been international. Wow, obsessed. Um, there's the little High Republic lore there. Um, but basically, Zine is a part of this force cult. Um. And the cult hates uh, force sensitive people, uh, just just like the path of the open hand. Isn't that crazy? Anyways, um, they hate force sensitive people. They think that nobody should use the force. It's like considered like sinful and wrong. Wow, isn't that interesting? Anyways, um, and Zine is force sensitive, and she's had to keep it a secret her entire life because she will get kicked out of her her commune her family um and she has this best friend named Crix, and he's a homophobe and we hate him um, <laughs> and, um and, can, can, can we say that's canon canonical lesbophobe <laughs> no yes yeah. yeah absolutely okay. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say canon for that one um but then yeah, we know you're listening there's this huge hyper <laughs> disaster uh and these Jedi come to Trimant 4 to help. Lula Talasola, young Padawan, she's there. She's amazing. She wants to be the greatest Jedi ever. Um, super imposter syndrome, obsessed with her. She gets to this planet. Her and Zine make eye contact. And there's like, fucking like rose petals falling from the sky when I'm reading this. I'm like, oh my God, these guys are so gay. And then uh, <laughs> basically... Zine goes back with the Jedi because now her family doesn't want her because she was seen using the Force. Okay, whatever. So she goes back to <laughs> with the Jedi, the Starhopper Padawans, and Lula. Um, and she creates her own family and her own community with these other Padawans who are just like her, who have Force sensitivity just like her. And she becomes really close with Lula Talasola. If you haven't noticed, this is a really gay story. Like, um, anyways, but it, it takes it go it crosses over 13 comic book comic book issues and one middle grade novel and one young adult novel. And in these um pieces of media, this story is slowly unraveling that it, you can tell that they're like best friends, they're super close, and, and they keep getting more and more attached to each other. And Lula has this issue first because she's a Jedi and she knows that Jedi are not supposed to have attachments. And she's like, oh, well, I'm attached to everything. Like literally even the Starhopper, an actual ship, a non-sentient piece of metal. I'm attached to that. (laughs) And she has this amazing conversation with a character named Vernestra Rowe, who's a very young Jedi Knight, um, about attachment and about like, you know, putting your priorities in order and just because you're attached doesn't mean that you're a bad Jedi and she's kind of like you don't have to be the best all the time wow anyways Vern is also a part of our community (laughs) (laughs) my arrow ace queen obsessed with her anyways 
but throughout the series um lula is is trying to get better with this attachment issue that she has and zine doesn't really have that issue because she's not a jedi was never raised like that she was raised with like finding importance in community and loving people that's like her whole community did which is so interesting because they literally hate her now right um sounds familiar anyways uh yeah so she she has her own issues though um she's very bad at communicating her feelings uh from the beginning she's not good at it she at one point in the series literally runs away from starlight beacon <laughs> because she's like i can't tell anyone that i still feel weird feelings for my ex-best friend who now hates me because she's like i shouldn't like him i shouldn't like i should hate him really but he's still my best friend um and i don't know what happened there and all of this is happening because of me like she has this like flurry of thoughts quite consistently and also the fact that she has just been excommunicated from her entire community and from her home um so she really just like confides in lula as much as she can in her own way they meditate together all the time and it is implied that they're um a dyad in the force i'm team morella sola dyad i i'm obsessed with them um and in the end in uh midnight horizon oh my gosh basically what happens is i'm gonna try not to cry right now basically what happens is they get separated which was on my theory sheet, like on our Deadpool. Isn't that so bad? <laughs> not the Deadpool. And I forgot so, about that. We, that was so rancid. That was horrible. <laughs> but we were like, let's make a Deadpool for the end of phase one. On my no, Deadpool. No, no, no. Oh. The most messed up part was that we had a second pool where you had to put which Padawan no. you thought was going to. No. Y'all. Y'all. I think and you know how many people got it right? Zero, because we all forgot about little Kieran from Edge of Balance. Yeah, he was the only one. <laughs> Rest in peace, Kieran. Love you so much. I put Varzala and in- I also think I put Far- Parzala. Sorry, everyone. Well, I think I put Imri so in Falling Star. Matt. <laughs> That's hateful. <laughs> <laughs> Did I make up Burry? Did I make up a character dying? I thought Burry died. <laughs> It's just missing. He's just missing. Shut up, see. Okay. <laughs> I don't see a body. <laughs> Darth Maul rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not anyway. to bring up Taylor Swift on the podcast. I have to since Liv isn't here, but nobody no crime. I was gonna I was already gonna bring up Taylor Swift, but I can't believe you beat me to it. Well, I'm doing it for her. Mention of the podcast. Um anyways. In in Midnight Horizon, they get separated, which I thought was going to happen, and I was really disappointed that I was right. Uh, and the basically the entire book um, is about Zine and her group that's on Corellia, where and Lula's still on Starlight Beacon. Girl, so worried for you. I'm so worried for you. Is she okay? We don't know. My thoughts on Zine and Lula are that they slayed. And that they're literally perfect. And I need their reunion to happen like yesterday because every day I wake up and they're not back together and it makes me so upset. Truly every day I wake up. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've been feeling that a lot recently. Wait, let me finish. Let me finish. This thing I've been trying to finish for 10 years. Right before they right before they separate, they have a little conversation. And this takes place in um Powerful Adventures. I don't think it is in or it is in the it is in Midnight Horizon, just a little yeah, bit. It's in yeah, it's in both. Yeah, actually I cried a lot. Um <laughs> and basically they're like, I need you. And that's it. And then and then when every bad thing that could possibly happen starts happening, Zena's like, I need to send a message to Lula. But she's not picking up because where is she? Starlight Beacon, which is on fire. And then she's like, what I should have said was, I love you. I threw up. <laughs> I'm sobbing. I'm shaking. I'm like, why would anybody write something like this ever? Um <laughs> And, and then, and then we had those, there was this chapter later on and it opened up with the words missing and presumed dead, which if I ever hear again, I'm going to do something drastic. That's um, your winter soldier trigger words. Like you hear that and you just become violent. I'm just, I'm afraid that. I can't I, wait till we get a comic in phase three called missing and presumed dead or something like that. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> that actually that no wait no, 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 no i'm wait. worried that daniel's gonna be like i'm gonna put that <laughs> in daniel's no, no, here. taking notes daniel, right now I know you're listening dj i know you're i know you're listening i don't know how much control you have over your covers i'm just saying variant <laughs> cover variant cover that's a list that's like that's like in search of it's you know like posters <gasps> that get put out like missing yes. posters uh, or or on the free comic book day issue, he should have the the title of the one shot be missing and presumed dead. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Guys, should not look well. Stop. I know this is an audio. Stop medium. speaking <laughs> these things into existence. I know. I need to like res- I, Marvel slash Dark Horse. If you're listening, um, <laughs> call me. I can't keep giving these ideas away for free. <laughs> anyway. I'm so okay right now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm like you're about to, you. to murder someone, so. Yeah. <laughs> I just met you like an hour ago. <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> That's real. Okay. I never get invited back on Fulcrum, you know why. Lula <laughs> and Zine, they are gay. They slay everything in between. I'm obsessed with them. Um... There's so much I could talk about, but I've literally talked about them probably upwards of a dozen times on this podcast and other <laughs> podcasts. Anytime, anytime someone's like, hey, can you be on the podcast? I'm like, am I talking about Lila and Zine? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> like, at least I have a brand. If there was ever a like ship or characters to be associated with, though, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because at least they're like portrayed well in the Star Wars canon and written by Dio. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm grateful for that story. Anyone else have any thoughts about Lou Lindsay? I well, I'm really glad that Hay has read Midnight Horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can talk about these characters now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, hey, I need hey, my hey, partner hey. to finish Midnight Horizon. They're working on it. Um. <laughs> so true says you guys saw eli's spino art right yes yes growing up how i don't know how they made her look so ethereal oh my god scrum dilly ishes you know 
I am obsessed with them too. Oh, I should have brought them for my sapphic ship. No, it's okay. I have to stay true. You have to stick yeah, to your friends. Of course. You have to stick to your yeah. friends. People would be concerned if you didn't bring your own solo. <laughs> yeah. You're true. right. You're right. Anyways, anyone else have thoughts on Lila and Zine? I can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, please, yes. I fucking love these bitches so much. <laughs> like these these bitches gay in like the most flavorful way possible. The there flavor is, profile is very well developed. I, uh, my palette is like fulfilled. Like <laughs> truly no other character in Star Wars, few other like sapphic ships that I've ever seen in media period have had this like developing relationship where it's a like it is the perfect encapsulation of in my opinion what it looks like to go from being to like experience a sapphic friendship that turns into a relationship like that is what this kind of thing looks like is this like is towing the line between I don't understand if this is anything more than this natural friendship I have or if this is like something that is deeper something that is like more profound and more impactful to me and especially it's so me coded too I'm about to go into a story I was gonna say this is so, so like, true majority of the people on this call coded. this is the majority of yeah. this, but I like first read high like first read high republic adventures when I like when I myself was going through that same like journey of I was like are these feelings that I'm feeling um something that is actually like a romantic feeling or is this just like a friendship that I'm missing from a really far period away shout out to my girlfriend um <laughs> like I'm obsessed with her but like the way that they are able to like develop that relationship in a way that like technically these characters have not confessed that like they do love each other and even seeing the way that like they are navigating that is so beautiful and it just is perfect and thinking about zine as a character and understanding the idea of like use of force essentially like being a metaphor for queerness what the fuck shit's powerful <laughs> and the notion of like the path like not the path of the open hand but like her cult that she's a part of being like you can't i'm like getting like flushed i'm like so obsessed with it like you can't use the force you can't be this person that you want to be around us so she has to like throw herself into something else here comes this new institution that says like that's essentially saying like free love baby like the jedi come in like hippies in the 1960s like they're like they pull up and they're like let me show you the way and the way is activating your true self and so then through her true self she finds her literal soulmate in the force hello and it's something she can only unlock if she, like, is true to herself as a person. Not to mention yeah. she's allowed to, like, train. I'm obsessed with this character. And not to steal your brand. I love this character. And she's, like, allowed to, like, train as a Jedi. Not, not as a Jedi, but, like, as a Force user with the Jedi. If yeah. there's any bitches listening to this podcast and you're like, I still hate Yoda, you're wrong and go read High Republic Adventures and Midnight Horizon because the best thing that that little green frog man has ever done is say hey traumatized child come i welcome you with open arms you cannot be a part of our like strict of like our type of religion because you come from a religious cult you probably don't want to join another religion but we will help you like we will welcome you with open arms and be like a group for you to express yourself what the oh somebody else like, <laughs> I love okay. do you guys remember and this is not comac slander like i would never 
But when Comac was like, you are the one who stopped Zine from killing Crix, and Cantum was like, think about how much trauma that would have caused her, though. Like, she's a child. Cantum sighed. That was one of the best moments in, like, literature that I have ever read. Yes. No, when you're so right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Okay. Actually, thank you for bringing this up because I want to talk about her. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot. So everyone knows that um, The Last of Us HBO show is literally my joker and I'm obsessed with it. No, I don't know what that is. Someone take her off the call right now. I'm so serious. (laughs) I'm literally the host. You can get rid of me. Um, One day I'm going to have hosting privileges for this podcast. And we're going to have such a good time. I've been thinking a lot about small lesbians. um, Ellie Williams. (laughs) um and like just actually just like children in media and violence um especially in like fantasy dystopian science fiction and stuff like that and how all these kids like grow up and they have to be violent because that's the world blah blah blah. and star wars is one of those things like literally star wars loves its child soldiers it really does and that scene in midnight horizon where where Canton was like, Zine does not need more trauma. Zine does not need to kill another person, um, specifically her ex-best friend. Like, um, I just thought that was really, you know, they are fighting in this war. They're fighting this fight, whatever. It's, it is traumatic for all of them. And so I, I don't know. I just really appreciate that. I appreciate Crick's not dying at the hands of Zine Rella. Um, I do what I do not appreciate is Crick's not dying at the hands of Sabata Krill. Sabata, you deserve so much more than what you got, girl. Oh, I miss her so much. Anyways, every single day I think about her and Nan and how it's okay though. Nan is still out there hating Crick's more than anyone, so there's still hope for a girl boss to just murder him. Nan what if okay phase three come through for me please make nan the main character <laughs> I, I need a nan centered something give Move me a one shot nan is here now i need like I a one shot with her mm-hmm. i need like a single issue focus i need something i i have a hard time talking about zine without crying but uh um <laughs> <laughs> uh we mentioned earlier when we were talking about Jordana and Syl how nice it is to have like in Star Wars stories there's not homophobia you know but I think I really really love Zine's story because you can like read into it like as a metaphor for homophobia and I think like seeing her story play out is just so important like I I understand why people don't want to see homophobia in their stories, but it is also nice to have characters, like, that you connect to, especially with, like, the way Zine deals with it, like, with, um, like, her religious order and things like that, and, like, getting out of that and finding people that love her. Um, Yeah, so... I just think it's, I did not mean to like sob. I told you I couldn't talk about Zine without no, crying. You're <laughs> so correct though. Yeah. And like when I read Midnight Horizon, the like conversation that she has with Crix, I cried about that for like three hours straight. <laughs> like, like sobbing, could not stop crying. Yeah. So I, I love Zine and Lua and I love like what they represent, I guess. Uh, yeah, they're really important characters to me. Uh, right. yeah. An inherent 
entire story that like yeah. is very familiar and representative of a good number of queer people's experiences in yeah. in multiple ways too like just like right even people who like weren't you know kicked out of their family or ostracized by their family at all can still relate to finding a, a community of people like them it is yeah. so are we still going in t- timeline order or are we just going in whatever order we want to it baby an accident that we did that in the first place <laughs> if we want to keep going in timeline order i think i'm next actually i don't know claire i don't know who you brought to the table but no we can go in timeline mine kind of exists in a time outside of time so i can go last Oh my okay. God. It's world's moment. Oh my God. It's not even so world true. World. It's just like. Shut up. I'm literally just making a joke. <laughs> I know. And I'm. Never mind. Whatever. Right. Such a contrarian. You don't like my jokes. Um, But yeah, if we want to go, I can go next. I'm the reason that we have canon with an asterisk for this discussion. Because <laughs> <laughs> I pitched these characters and then immediately was like, wait a minute this is actually not canon how do we feel and i got the go-ahead so we're gonna talk about it i today to the sapphic potluck i have presented <laughs> to you i i bring to you <laughs> some, it is a potluck we each brought some queer women and we're all discussing them and i have i have sabe dala i have the non-canon <laughs> relationship between padme amadala and sabe and we're calling this good because Sabe is bisexual. So we're calling it good. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about, about these two. I'm a prequels girly to my core. Shout out to this bracelet that says Jar Jar Binks fan club member. <laughs> I never take it off. <laughs> my girlfriend has a matching one. Oh, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> We've been wearing them since before we were dating. Because if you wanted to know how much I really love to see Lula, this bracelet's why. So I, so because my prequels girly through and through, I have for a very long time loved the relationship between Sabe and Padme, because I am obsessed with these two with these two characters that exist in orbit to one another, and I think it's very crucial that for these two characters the point is that they are not in a relationship but the point is that they are also in love i don't think it's a stretch to say that these two characters are in love in some capacity and in some way that they don't fully understand and if you'll allow me to explain (laughs) i simply will which is one in the uh padme trilogy um that exists which I am not a huge fan of but unfortunately we do have to discuss it in terms of it's the only place that we have development for these two characters (laughs) okay there is definitely this like implication and this understanding between the between Sabe and Padme that there is this kind of devotional love to one another and they have created this entire dynamic that centers on this persona of this character that is Padme Amidala that's different from Padme Naberi the person whom Sabe meets first and so they are both creating this fantasy person that somehow is like emblematic of each other and the way that each other can like create these different like um this different persona and put on this different character 
that serves as a symbol of their love for their planet and their love for each other because it is supposed to be how the two of them have created these like it's a character that they created the character of Padme Amidala exists because Padme Doberry and Sabe made it together so do with that what you will but it also (laughs) their relationship also speaks to this kind of thing where I am of the firm belief that Padme Amidala will sim would have simply never have been in a romantic relationship that would have worked and this is and this is because of this basis of this foundation that she has this relationship with Sabe where she understands that Sabe can and like could and honestly probably will die for Padme and that Padme at age like 13 14 when they meet at any point could have told her I want you to go like I want you to go and pretend to be me and I want you to go die for me and Sabe would have done it and that is a really weird relationship to have now placed on these two people at the age of 14 that will then continue until Padme dies is these two characters intertwining and circling around each other and understanding that if Padme says jump, Sabe will say how high. And because of that, Padme literally never has the opportunity to ever have an understanding of what a healthy romantic relationship would look like because her closest relationship period is with a series of women, her best friend included, that will literally die for her. And she has no frame of reference for any other relationship outside of that. Shit's fucked. Shit's very fucked. Not to mention... In Queen's Hope, um, canonically, and this does make me crazy, Padme did spend most of her wedding day being like, hey, C-3PO, has Sabe called me back yet? Has Sabe called me back yet? Has Sabe called me back yet? Again, her wedding day. It's true. She did do that. Great women don't do that. <laughs> like, straight women don't do And she, like, cried on her wedding day, not because she was like, I'm getting married, but she was like, why isn't my best friend calling me back? Like, Girl. Girl, maybe you're gay. <laughs> like, girl, maybe you're gay. That's the Padme Amidala story. Girl, maybe you're gay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I know I brought like an unconventional dynamic and character to this. So other people, what are your thoughts on these two characters that aren't super developed in canon? As long no, as I, I think get to like... participate in Vader 2020 slander. Yeah. I am here for it. Let's do it, baby. Yeah. All day we long. We need to free Sabe <laughs> from some of these. Free some of these Sabe. God. That's what's so heartbreaking about their dynamic to me. And like, whether, like, I definitely think that they are in love. But like, even if you want to view it from like a platonic lens, it's it's the same thing where like, yeah, like you said, Sabe literally like would die for Padme, not just out of care for her, but also out of like, it's literally her job. Like that, her whole duty is to die for Padme if that's what she needs. Yeah. And and I think about like, where they get to the point where they are in Queen's Hope, where Sabe is like, I still care about you very deeply, but like, I need to have my own life. Like I am doing really important work on Tatooine and I need to be doing that. And it doesn't mean that I don't care about you, but like, I can't be a handmaiden anymore. I need to like, find out what my own identity is outside of that because she's been filling this role for so long and I literally think every day about how like the thing she says to her in that conversation is my hands are yours please don't ask me for them again 
I was going to bring that up. I'm sorry to that bring it up. So, I'm sorry to bring it up. That is I so sobbed. gay. Oh, I, like, my God. Sobbed. Padme had said, I That's want you to stay. Sabe would have yeah. stayed. But Padme knows she can't ask her to stay because it would be unfair to her. And so she, like, agrees to let her go in that moment. <laughs> that is literally the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Listen, what I hate like, so much. what the fuck? What I hate- <laughs> I really do hate when gay people end in tragedy, but this one hurts so good. Like it is so sad. They and that is the last time they see each other ever. And then Padme dies. Can't handle that. And then then Sabe spends the rest of her life trying to um, keep her legacy going. And then she spends the rest of her life avenging her. She spent the rest of her life avenging her, forming an entirely new like militia group named after her for the purpose of discovering what actually happened to her. Yeah. Not to mention, this makes me fucking nuts. This makes me fucking nuts. Not to mention that they look identical. Canonically, they look identical. So every single time that Sabe looks in the mirror, she like canonically has to like she there's a point where she no longer knows where Sabe ends and where Padme Amidala begins. So every time she looks in the mirror, she is just seeing Padme, and Padme will never get that old. And I'm gonna yeah, do no, it's really bad. No, it's really it's so Greek tragedy. Like yeah, <laughs> not to mention, let's talk about Queen's Peril for a second because that book let's- was the gayest. Yeah, the gayest young adult novels, truthfully, um, maybe excluding like High Republic stuff. But rem- do we remember when Save was like kind of had a crush on that girl, and then that whole thing happened with her, and then saw, Sa- and then Padme, and then which one asked the other one, "Well, did you want to kiss her?" Which one was that? Sabe asked Padme, right? Yeah, do we know pa- because Padme asked Sabe because Sabe like have that oh, right, 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 right. that's so good because that's <laughs> how we technically get her confirmed bisexual that's how we get her confirmed bisexuality is that she has that relationship with that with, mm-hmm. or she's not even the, a relationship the singer. some girls like you're hot the yeah. situationship situationship yeah, that's so, so real queen's <laughs> peril you gave us canonical queer situationship so <laughs> thanks for that it's so true um yes. yeah, that was that was so something. They make me feel nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you can't see me in the Zoom window. I have perched myself on my chair because, like, I need to, like, get up. <laughs> I am, like, so... <laughs> I'm, like, just so... Ah. Mm-hmm. No. And I would say that that's so valid. Like, I would say that many a people in their lifetime go crazy over Sabe and Padme because they're literally together. I don't know. I they are. There's a missed opportunity there um, to have them in a relationship. It's, at some point. it's a missed opportunity to even say to like to even say that there was any form of love there. Like the like everything that I'm talking about that we're talking about is something that we have to like read into that. We have to be like, I see what this is. I understand what's happening. Like there is no it has never been said on page that there was any form of like Platon- even platonic love between these characters you're telling me that i have to sit through however many issues of this darth vader run that's like 
all just about Anakin's feelings about his dead wife, but I can't have any about Sabe's. I can't have any feelings about her. I need Sabe to... She still dresses like Padme. I need her to leave that that series so fucking badly. I, I would literally... I need a mini. I, would, I was literally about to say, I will greenlight a series with Sabe and the rest of the Amidalans and whatever's left of them after, you know, Vader massacred them all. But the fact... The fact that... No, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay, I was just gonna say, I because this has occurred to me, Sabe is not her given name. Like, no. Sabe is the name that she chooses to be more, like, is, is that she chooses to be more aligned with the queen. At any point in her lifetime, she could have been like, I want to go back to my given name. Like, the name that, like, is mine. But she's like, nope. The name I'm keeping forever is this one that was given to me by this other woman that I was the, like sworn soul devotion to. That that's gay activity. Like you you can't. The yeah. thing that pisses me off the most is that Greg Pak is only bringing back the handmaidens to sell single issues. There is no like intelligible reason for them to be it's there. No narrative. There's no narrative there. He's just literally putting them in there to sell comic book issues and to have resellers you know selling second appearances and first appearances for you know 25 fucking dollars but anyway Sabe is so she is so devoted to Padme and obviously has a deeper love for Padme than perhaps she would like to admit to herself but the fact that she is basically she's working with Darth Vader sacrificing everything that Padme stood for like why are you doing that it's this is when i introduced the concept of personal canon a concept i think star wars fans all need to rally behind (laughs) greg pack i love you you gave me magneto testament i could never truly slander you greg pack gave me canonically jewish magneto like i can't i can't in good faith slander him however i am choosing to see darth vader 2020 up until a certain point, up until probably like War of the Bounty Hunters, that's my kin. After that, I don't know her. I like, I don't know who she so is. So true. Every day I wake up and I'm like, damn, wouldn't it be so nice to like have more information about my favorite characters, the Handmaidens? Guess it Ugh. doesn't exist. I, we can move on to a different character. I just, I said I was going to bring up Taylor Swift. I need to bring up just a couple. I need to, I have some documents I'd like to submit into evidence. <laughs> First of all, I would like to present, I would like to present Peace as a song for them. I would just, we hello? can't talk about Peace by Taylor Swift <laughs> in my presence. I can't do it. I, I would just, I'm presenting that. That's, that's evidence one. I just want to talk about how, also like the one, that's very Sabe Donna coded. Folklore, very, Folklore is a very Padme album. Um, and if you don't understand that, you simply just need to see the vision. Take my eyes and understand what's happening here. And then I'd like to go out on, this is not a Taylor Swift moment, but we do need to address uh, Moonsong by Phoebe Bridgers. That's their song. I'm sorry. Might I I also submit into evidence Stay Away by Muna? Because exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's on the playlist. But like Moonsong, first of all, moon, what the moon, the what does the moon control? The moon controls the tides. What did the what did what did the Naboo say when people die? They say, may the tides of Naboo bring you back home. They have the tears to symbolize when somebody's dying. Like 
Gotta put that out there. But we gotta put out the, the bridge here. You were sick. You're married. You might be dying. Hello? Is that not Padme's plot of Revenge of the Sith? It is. And you're holding me like water in your hand. Hello? You guys heard the song and then you, you do by when you saw the dead. Yeah, actually. So true. <laughs> that is a Sabe song. Yeah. That song is yeah. literally about Sabe. My Sabe <laughs> playlist is like my go-to when I'm feeling sad because <laughs> everything on there is Just really dark. The final theme of Hades Town. It's a sad. Oh song my god! Stop this! <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow. You didn't know that I was going to go nuts about the podcast, isn't it? (laughs) Let's get into um, Hayden. Who did you bring to the table today? A fun fact about me is that I don't think about women very much, which is hypocritical (laughs) of me to come on. I just wanted to know if Liv was listening. I just wanted to to know if she was aware of that. (laughs) She will be, don't worry. But (laughs) (laughs) two of my sapphic ships, well, probably the only suffix ship that I've you know like thought about and <laughs> actively ship is Tonga and Losha from Bounty Hunters my sweet cheese is my good time boy so for the listeners because I know I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Bounty Hunters is probably the least popular running series right now but Tonga and Losha are both relatively new characters also I have Marvel Unlimited like on another window so in case I need to reference anything but Tonga and Losha are very relatively new characters. Uh, I think Tonga was introduced in issue one of Bounty Hunters, and Losha was introduced either in one, two, or three. Can't remember. Guess I have to do another Bounty Hunters reread. But anyway, it's two. I just read it. <laughs> oh yeah, Sage has been reading Bounty Hunters. I'm mm-hmm. I'm so proud. But we had we had an agreement, and I'm yeah, fulfilled. <laughs> so true. But. Anyway, Tonga and Losha met at a bar because met they met at a bar that Losha owned that Tonga that Nakata Losha's group of which Tonga is a part of was having like a little meeting there. And I also got mullet balance back in that issue. But anyway, they literally looked at each other from across the room, smiled at each other, and then Tonga went over to go make out with her. So and slay. you know what? I slay. saw what okay. Losha looked like in that panel. Me too. <laughs> like, I would also <laughs> be making my way across the bar. So true. We saw you across the bar and we loved your vibe. So true. No, that was that's that's literally, literally, what that's literally what happened. I'm not even joking. Ethan and- said, how do you know how to be a gay woman? <laughs> I'd like to know. This is what he gets for following us all on Twitter and seeing us all tweet about how we're really gay. <laughs> Ethan, if you're listening. Well, long story short, Tonga is still in the Connor Lashes group until oh you've read this so until her brother gets killed on a mission on Corellia gone wrong kind of midnight horizon code but anyway (laughs) her brother dies valence gets captured but he's not important right now unfortunately something happens we don't know exactly what but tonga leaves the group and goes to literally live on a farm with losha how is that not the most lesbian thing you've ever heard like seriously Celine jordana wanted to do yeah like they literally leave their lives behind to go live on a farm with each other but issue two is when tonga feels the need to go and i think she goes to find a lash because she heard she resurfaced um and 
Losha is like begging her to stay. And finally, Tonga decides to leave and then they make out. Tonga gets killed. Well, seemingly gets killed, but she survives. And then Losha goes to find her body and she's fine. And they just, they, they're, Losha literally gives up their life on their farm planet because she can't bear to be away from Tonga for another second. But the whole point of their relationship and why it's really sticking with me is their devotion to one another and how they would literally die for each other if the other asked them to, which is so sub coded I feel like the way they met is so relatable and so applicable to how, you know, like the dating world is today. Like you go to a bar, you have a couple of drinks, maybe you make out with the bartender, I don't know. The the way they just feel so grounded in a time where their profession is flying around in a spaceship and capturing people for money, the, their devotion to one another and how deeply they feel and they care for each other. Like they're like two ha- they're two peas in the same pod, two halves in the same peach. Like they are so just in sync and aware and attuned to each other and their surroundings that you can't have one without the other. And like I said before, the fact that they're in a relationship is not the only thing about them. They have their own motivations. They have things that happen to them. Losha is actually going through right now a really intense bout of like PTSD and suffering from attachment from, again, spoilers for 26, yeah, 26, Vukora killing her Nexu. Because she has the sort of survivor's guilt because she um, she basically told the Nexu to go after Vukora, whatever it takes. And she's working out in the Edgehawk like, gym, which, by the way, thank you, Ethan, for that scene. But Tonga comes up to her and she's like, it's okay not to be okay. I'm here for you. We can talk this out. I'm I'm here for whatever you need. And it also continued through to, I think, 28, maybe a little bit of 29. I don't have 29 directly on me right now. But it's how they interact with each other. And again, how deeply they care for each other. And how, and just their love for each other is, I think, what solidifies them as probably one of my staff one of my favorite sapphic ships in star wars um this it's it's very niche because not everybody reads the comics and they're only in this one specific series so i feel like i have to explain a lot but does anyone else have any thoughts on the buff space lesbians i have so many thoughts on the buff space lesbians Uh, first being that i'm in love with both of them Um, so true but also on a level of like their relationship and like reading it i I didn't really know much about bounty hunters like when I started reading it like I saw some people liked it and it was when I was first getting into Star Wars comics so I was like yeah I'm gonna read this and like they were there and they were gay and I was like okay slay and then Tonga like died and I was like oh well maybe this is not gonna be like the slay rep that I thought it was gonna be but then she came back and they had like one of the most meaningful love stories that I've seen in Star Wars and I was like oh my god like because they're so so much of that series is like going from one planet to the next and one dangerous mission to the next and every single time it's like 
one of them being like, no, I'm going to go. I think you should stay because I don't want anything to happen to you. And it always ends in like, no, we're going to face this together. And I like love a relationship that's like faced with death at every moment, but it's like, but we're going to go into it together. And like, we're never going to be separated again because like that, that's love. Like that is true love right there. Um, and just the way that like as things go along we get more bits and pieces of their relationship because we've known they were together and and then we slowly get to see like how they meet how do they interact with each other like what were some of their things that happened to them before this series began and so now we're at the point where they have like a really well formed and well-rounded relationship which is especially great because they are two queer women so true i've read two issues so <laughs> uh, obviously i'm the expert but I love when gay people do gay things. They do make out in issue 10. Okay, so I'll read yeah. that. Something issue 10, I to, think, yeah. is a bisexual joker of sorts. Because we um, get panel, we get Valance with half his face torn off. And then we get hot woman making out. So true. Ethan Sachs, you things, understand. The two things that bisexuals love the most. Women making I, out and men with half of their face ripped off. Revealing their... Yes. That's for me. Robot under. He did that. He did no. that without even knowing he did it. He did it for me specifically. Okay. No, no, no. I feel like we need to run this back. I context for the listeners at home. I read one issue of Bounty Hunters while I was reading War of the Bounty Hunters, and then I realized I did not know who any of these characters were, so I skipped the series. My apologies. I've been meaning to read them. But okay, run this back to me. His half of his face is gone, and this he, is a, this is this is a the balance. Um, okay, the balance diagram line. explanation. The balance <laughs> diagram. Balance diagram. The episode description. <laughs> so, I'm Pepe Celia jiffing right now. Okay. So, here's context on the sexy cyborg man. <laughs> so I'm he, your friend. I know much about this. <laughs> so he was in the Imperial Naval Academy with Han. Also, yes. they. They explored each other's bodies, but that's 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 for another episode. <laughs> but pride. he gets he gets shot down and he loses his eyeball and his leg. He loses his left eye and his leg. So a big part of his story is being told that he can't be a naval recruit anymore because he lost his leg and his eye. Like the Naval Academy doesn't see him as worthy of being a cadet, which is fucked up in and of itself. And we can have a whole other discussion on that. Yeah. Empire's but, ableist too. Yeah. But Valance keeps getting blown up. So he keeps losing limbs. And then finally he gets to a point where like basically his entire like skeleton is made of durasteel. Wow, he's so Wolverine coded. Yeah, literally. So it gets to such a point where he's so where he and this is actually a big part of the story where he's like not even really human anymore, but the one saving grace he has is that he has sin skin that he puts over his face, but most of the time he doesn't have enough money to afford to put to put it all over his face. So that's the origin of the. See, the, the... I thought he was just like half man, half Terminator. Well, kind of. That goes into a <laughs> lot of his. At this point, character. he's like ninety percent Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> like ten percent man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I need to know: is his brain all human brain? Yes. And that's okay. a big part of his arc in Bounty Hunters 18 and 19 and a little bit of 30, 29, 30, 31. Um, oh, Claire, get <laughs> if I could leave, I would. Now, the reason why his 
its entire face was torn off in Bounty Hunters 9, 10, and a little bit of 11. When was, the women are making out. Yes. 10 is the one where they're making out and actually <laughs> blasted his face off. <laughs> yeah. So in issue nine, he flies in an X-Wing, but he, he like makes the X-Wing a red herring and then goes out in space and climbs aboard this like supply ship thing. So the fact that his sin skin is like freezing and peeling off, that's one factor. Another factor is that he just he just can't stop getting beat up when he's fighting these people on this supply ship he's supposed to be rescuing. So it it he just keeps getting shot at and his face keeps getting torn off. And then finally, there's two panels that make me go insane. So the first one is one where like his his face is like completely torn off, and then he's like behind these two guys. And then there's another one where his coveralls his half his face torn off with like emphasis on the crotch shot that oh that's what that page is i've seen you tweet that before (laughs) not surprised i apologize bisexual yeah bisexual always winning today we really are i don't care what anyone says i won with bounty hunters 31 yeah my favorite thing ever was like a year ago when ethan Sachs went on twitter and was like Wait till Bounty Hunters 31 where he gets like shot in the face and falls off a cliff and we were all like, hi, That's ha, ha. literally what fucking happened. Word for it's fucking so word. Funny. That was fucking foul. <laughs> I was like, he tried to warn us. He really did. But anyway, let's talk Not about it. women again. Yeah, women. <laughs> anyway. This is where you plug your AO3 real quick. Yeah, balance and joy are on AO3, everybody. No, <laughs> um but yeah, let's talk about women again. So yeah. Tom and Losha, they, they're just very special to me. But seeing them on the page for the first time, I might have to go back and find my tweets from when that happened. It just made me so happy. And like I said before, it was one of the first like non-mainstream Star Wars things I consumed. And it, it kind of set a standard for me. I won't lie. In how much they cared for each other and how often they kissed on the mouth. I think within like five issues or like five or ten issues we got them kissing like three or four times like for me that's a win that's a w i just love them a lot and i'm glad more people are reading bounty hunters so that we get more tonga and losha stuff uh also julia has some great tonga and losha fix um i think their ao3 is bobby morrison lover 33 and they also have a really good han violent series that literally made it altered my brain chemistry but she has been re uh writing a lot of tongue and losha stuff because she's also been rereading bounty hunters so recommend that and i think she also has a tongue losha playlist not positive but i've heard them talk about it but yeah tongue and losha my sweet cheeses my good time boy i can't imagine them anywhere else I so true. One of the things I really like about Tonga and Losha is I feel like they almost hold together like the bounty hunter, especially like these they last couple do. issues. They, yeah. They're like the glue holding everybody together. Yeah. I feel like. Um and they're they're both really like emotionally intelligent, which I like, especially yeah. in bounty hunters, where I feel like a lot of the bounty hunters they encounter are not that way. <laughs> <laughs> like no offense to like Bosk, but like <laughs> I must be open with his emotions. Yes. Bosk has never felt an emotion other than anger in his entire life. Are you sure? Bosk goes to therapy. I know. I'm his therapist. 
<laughs> I would actually love to be his therapist. I would love to know what he would talk about. Let's go to our really not can. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> who's read Ronin? Anybody? Great. Oh, okay, guys. I love uh, like, I've I read it. Me, me speaking into the void for like okay. 20 minutes. Confession. I sped read it because I wanted to get to Thrawn a set to Thrawn treason. And I didn't like it very much. But I I I'm aware of the plot vaguely, okay. even though I read it That's almost okay. two years ago. I can just kind of speak on them. <laughs> So true. Um, so yeah, I actually am going really off brand today because I know that there is a certain ship that everyone probably thought I was going to talk about. I don't um, think you're gonna bring him to the pod. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of reasons, I'm not doing that. The biggest one being I've talked them to death. But the ship that I'm actually talking about, um, yeah, is another reason why we have canon asterisk because they are canonically a sapphic ship within the piece of media they come from however the story itself is not really canon i'm talking about koru and akia who are from the novel ronin by emma miko kandon it's amazing but yeah it's not it's a star wars visions tie-in novel and visions is like not canon like it the stories don't have to adhere to the star wars canon and so it's the same way yeah. with the novel and i'm not going to go into all the lore of the novel because it would be like a lot and you kind of just have to read it but like like when I say, like, I'll be like, Koru is a Sith, but it's, but they're not Sith in the way that like you think of Sith in the normal Star Wars canon, stuff like that, that I really don't have the time to speak about. Um, So I'm just going to talk about their relationship to each other. Um, So yeah, Koru is like a, a Sith warrior. And basically if you've watched the vision short, the, the duel, which this is like a tie-in to, you're probably a little confused because she does die at the end of that short. Um, and basically what happens, this is a really, really abridged description of what happens, but she gets like revived by this witch who wants to like, who's trying to get revenge because of spoilery things that I won't talk about. Um, so she's like been brought back to life, but it's kind of conditional. Like she doesn't know. She's like, once I've fulfilled the purpose that this witch wants of me, will mm -hmm. I just be killed again? Like, we don't know what's going to happen. And also she hears the voice of this witch in her head like a lot. And there's a, even moments where she like completely controls her actions. And then she meets Akia, who is, in my opinion, the best character in the novel. Kind of controversial, but it's true. Um, and Akia is from this planet and their planet was actually like invaded by the Sith. Yada, yada, a bunch of stuff happened. And her goal throughout this novel is she has this case of she has all these relics from her planet that she's from and she's been entrusted with bringing them back but the most important are these kyber crystals which basically have like the ghosts of the people of their planet like tied to them and so the belief is that like if you bring them back to the planet they can be freed which is all relevant to their relationship because first of all I would just like to say that they are two of the most like hostile and angriest women I have ever read about and like good as they should I love when women are just angry especially Koru is so like violently angry the entire novel and like she's literally right for it though like she deserves to be so angry but Let they both yeah exactly and there's such a like there's so many great themes in this novel it's amazing but one of the biggest common threads between their two characters is purpose because on one hand we have Akia who like her entire purpose is returning these relics to her planet and that is driving her and she believes in that more than anything else but Koru 
has this sort of mission that has been placed upon her, but it's not her purpose. Like it was given to her by this witch. But the problem is if she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, okay, well, I literally brought you back from the dead. So like, what do you think is going to happen if you don't do what I say? And so they meet and okay, I do feel the need to mention that there is a scene where Akia literally bites Koru. But anyway, that's so beside the point. I just think it's actually hilarious. Um, And then there's a scene later. So if you're into that. Yeah, literally. Yeah, there's a scene later where she's like, that, I'm maybe. thinking about biting her again because I'm mad. And then she's like, and then Koru starts yelling at people because that's what she does. And Akia's like, maybe she's about to start biting people. And I was like, I love you guys so much. They're so <laughs> relatable. Um, But basically, a bunch of stuff happens, whatever. They're so cute. They're so into each other. And like their their dynamic is basically like, oh my God, I literally hate everyone so much right now. But like this woman is kind of hot and I kind of vibe with her, even though like they and, and another thing with them is trust because there's so much betrayal in this book and there's so much distrust. And so when they first meet, they obviously don't trust each other at all um, because of their past and also just because neither of them are like generally trusting people. Um, but it gets to the point where they make it back to Akia's home planet and she entrusts Koru with these ancient relics with the kyber crystals and basically like asks her to bring them back and I have a passage from the book that's been in my camera roll since I first read it that I'm gonna read because it like changed my life. (laughs) Cite your sources. Um, I know literally I'm like I have I have the documents. (laughs) Um, so Akia basically hands her the little box that has the kyber crystals in it and Koru says I don't know your prayers because she doesn't know like she's not from this planet she doesn't know the sort of ritual of like returning these ghosts and Akia says I'm not asking you to pray and then oh my god Emomiko Kandon you're literally crazy it says no she was asking Koru to be her prayer carry my ghosts she said and bring them where they're meant to be do it for me because I have faith that you can ludicrous and yet Koru wanted to do it it would be a gift she realized to have a reason to go forward that was neither the witch nor the old man let them try and stop her what the actual fuck would possess you to write something like that and it's so like when you put it in the context of their character arcs where this has been Akia's like driving purpose for so long and she would never trust anyone else to do this for her and now she's at the point where she's placing all that trust in Koru's hands and Koru is like now I have a purpose that is for me and it's not for someone else but it also like exists outside of myself because they have this whole conversation where she's like you need to find a purpose inside of yourself because you're doing everything for like other people or other like communities and you need to do something for yourself and that ends up being it for Koru and she like oh my god anyway actually no I won't I won't completely spoil the ending because it's crazy but no that like that page I literally I read the second half of this book in like one night like I was hooked but I got to that page and I was like I need to sit down I need to take a break (laughs) they're just literally such like they're so perfect for each other and I think that this book has like so much great queer representation there's a there's a canonically trans character and I like the way that he is written is so incredible um and then there's obviously the Ronin himself is queer and the Traveler they are so funny um but I think that Koru and Akia are so like they both have such complex character arcs and then you get to the like further into the story and you're like and they're also gay? Like, are you kidding me? This is more than I could ever hope for in a Star Wars novel. 
Um, but it's also like their their relationship to each other is so it's it's not like their whole character, but it fits so well within their characters because they both want to trust someone else so badly. And it gets to the point where Akia trusts Koru to do the one thing that she has like she feels that she has to do and she would never trust anyone else with it. And Koru is like, I will literally do this even if it kills me. And I just think that oh my god, now I'm thinking about the she was asking her to be her prayer. Jesus. Why would No, I can't get that line out of my head. It's yeah, for for the listener. For the listener, Claire was reading that passage and the four of us sat here like slack jawed. (laughs) Like we were like, what the fuck? There's also another line in that book that's literally my favorite quote in any Star Wars book. And I also have it here because it's in my camera roll right next to the other one I just read. (laughs) And I can't say the context of this because it's a massive spoiler, but (laughs) it says she has caught and held them tight to her chest and will until she has collected so many that their return will spell doom for every Jedi, prince, and emperor who has ever dared to stand over a world and declare they know how it should be. And when they have burned out the poison, then at last the galaxy can rest and heal and bear new fruit for sweeter mouths. That's literally my favorite quote ever written in a Star Wars novel. Um, fun That's fact. Actual literary just, fiction. It's That's so yeah. good. Like this book, aside from like that, the, like I was really into the plot. It was, I do, I am like rereading it right now though, because the first time I read it, I was confused for like a good like third of the book because it's really good, but it's so hard to like, remember that you're not in the world of Star Wars as you know it like I I, it took me a while to kind of detach like the Jedi and Sith of this story from like the Jedi and Sith of like the Star Wars canon because I know so much about the Star Wars canon and I was like Mm -hmm. I need to like put that out of my mind um but like the language in the book is so beautiful and I just oh my god I think about it every single day of my life and the characters are all incredible but yeah, the the queer representation, specifically Koru and Akia, are an incredible sapphic ship, and I don't see people talk about them that much, which makes me sad because they are so slay. This is your sign. So yeah, to read this Ronin, is my I plug. Uh, yeah, I won't go read Ronin. Stand Koru and Akia. I just love that Koru was like in that in the vision short, and it was like, oh, she was cool, but rest in peace, I guess. And then they were like, no, she will mm-hmm. be one of the main characters of this novel, and also experience <laughs> like a beautiful queer love story. And I was like so true i agree that's as it should be that was me talking at everyone about (laughs) you've made i mean you've made a convincing pitch i was definitely like no i like definitely had no internal motivation to be like i should read ronin and now i'm like yeah i'll check that out from the library why not the pros in that book screaming crying throwing up all my little sticky tabs are on like those kind of passages. Yeah, it was gorgeous. I don't, Emma Miko Cannon, how did you manage to write two of the most like complex queer relationships ever in one book of with characters that like don't really exist outside of that book? Like that were from a lit like, fiction. 10 minute short from Star Literally Wars Visions where they like fought each other and I was like y'all don't even know that these two are about to go <laughs> experience the most like gut-wrenching queer love stories you've ever read in your entire life. Thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions. Please feel free to send us questions. You can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Once again thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode.